Hi everyone, welcome back to The Visitation. I am your host, Crystal Coral. It has been a while since you have heard from me. And a little recap on my own personal life is that summer's begun in my household with two little ones. And that means summer camps. As most of y'all know, I am a working stay-at-home mom who balances life and work from home all while trying to cover cases of missing children and feature unsolved homicide criminal cases on my podcast. You know, sometimes I forget (laughs) I'm just one person and time is truly a thief. So I want to say I'm sorry. I want to sincerely apologize for taking time away. You know, I I have to do timeouts for myself for my own mental health just so I can spend some time for myself as well for my little family. But nonetheless, as much as I spend time with my family, I can't help but think of the other families. The other families that are missing their loved ones. These are the families that continue to search for answers that are searching for justice, and they just want a sense of peace in locating either their child or their family member, or just get their story out there to be heard and taken seriously. When cases go cold, they go untouched. That is just the harsh reality of things. There is not enough manpower to cover cases, as I am sure you may have heard this line from many local law enforcement officials. I know personally I've heard this line many times. And honestly, frankly, I think this line is bullshit, but I digress. I digress. So with that, all that said, this is why I do what I do. As a criminologist, I specialize in missing and exploited children cases in addition to homicides and human trafficking cases. To me, these cases are extremely important. These are the cold cases that will always be featured on my platform. These are the cases that I want families to know that their cases will be heard. They deserve justice. They deserve answers. And with all of that said, today's episode, it's, it's going to be a very hard one. This episode is going to be about a young girl named Carly Gousset. She was just about 16 years old when she disappeared from her house on the morning of October 13, 2018. Location, Chaflin, California. Man, this is one huge, huge jigsaw puzzle. I have I have notes and maps and uh, (laughs) dreams about this case. So with that said, are you ready to dive in with me and solve the impossible? Lane Gousset was born on May 13, 2002, to parents Zachary Gousset and Lindsay Fairley. She was also an older sister to two younger brothers. When Carly was just about two years old, her parents divorced and she went to live with her mother for a short time. Then sometime without a specific reason, it was noted in reports that Carly moved in with her father 
and his new wife, who is Melissa, in a rural neighborhood, which is 10 miles north of Bishop, California. Carly still shared a close relationship with her mother, Lindsay. According to Melissa's interviews about family life, I want to also make a quick note that I have a lot of these video links in my show notes. Um, Zach, Melissa were all interviewed. Um, I'm, it's all on the FBI page. They all have their interviews and video interviews, and they talk about their lives, and that's going to be linked on my show notes. But according to Melissa's interviews about their family life, she claimed that when she met Zach's children, they all instantly fell in love with her. Carly and her had a great bond. This is what Melissa said. And based on reports, Carly even worked at the same place Melissa worked at, which is a tile company. Um, she was like a part-timer when she was going to high school. Now, according to family and friends, Carly was just a typical teenager. She loved to hang out with her friends. She was super joyful, you know, loved being around her family, just living the carefree life. The day before Carly disappeared, that is on Friday night, October 12, 2018, reports state that Carly told her family that she was going to a high school football game. That was a lie. Instead, she went to a party with her boyfriend, Donald Arrowood III, and several other friends, and this party location was in Bishop. At the party, Carly smoked weed. And it was during this time that she started to experience a bad kind of trip. And she began to panic. Now, according to her boyfriend, who was 17 at the time, stated, and this is on my show notes because he told a news reporter, he stated to the reporters that Carly hadn't smoked weed in a while and her panic attack could have triggered um, something. Now, according to Melissa, she claimed that Carly called her to come pick her up from the party and that timestamp was around 9 p.m. Now there are a lot of weird uh, reports. It stated that when Carly called Melissa, come pick her up, when Melissa arrived at this location, she couldn't find Carly, but Carly was walking to another, like basically walking out on the road or, or away from the party. So Melissa had to track her down. That was one story. Another story is that Melissa um, got Carly and she was outside at the party. So again, conflicting stories. Melissa ends up picking her up. They go home and Melissa tells authorities that that night they all had dinner together as a family. This is when the family notices that Carly's acting strange. Her behavior is erratic and Carly is acting paranoid. So Melissa takes out a recording device and records Carly's audio. She wanted to do this to show Carly the next day so they could talk about this. Now, you may be wondering, why would Melissa do this? Okay, so this isn't the first time that Carly has smoked weed before. As stated before, her boyfriend said that Carly used to smoke weed too. And based on all the other reports, Carly had smoked weed in the past. Now, smoking weed isn't bad. I get it. You know, um, I'm sure everybody does it or still does it. No judgment here. I personally don't do it. But 
as a parent, we want to show our kids, hey, this is what drugs do. So I can understand Melissa's standpoint on recording her stepdaughter to show, hey, this is how you were acting. Do you want to act like this for a long time? I know a lot of people who who suffer from alcoholism have their friends record them on their drunken nights and then they re-record them. They like re-watch them. They like re-watch the recordings and basically they're like, holy crap, I was a total imbecile. Like I cannot believe I acted like this. This is kind of like their wake up call. So Melissa stated that she wanted to do this with Carly, like get her to wake up like, hey, (laughs) weed isn't cool. You know, like she is 16. Like they're, you know, like weed isn't the way to go. And I can totally understand that um, that step. I mean, I would have done the same thing too. So I'm not blaming her with that. Because as a parent, I can understand. As she takes out the recording device, Carly is again acting crazy, weird. Carly tells Melissa, quote, I'm so glad you came and I love you. But also asking, and I quote, and unquote, are you going to call 911 and Am I going to live until tomorrow? Again, I want to state that Melissa has not made this audio public to hear, but she did allow authorities to listen to it. And even Dr. Phil, who she herself and the rest of the family appeared on a show, which I will talk about later during this episode, he also listened to the audio and spoke about the audio. Now, the entire time Carly was home, her behavior did not change. She was, again, paranoid, freaking out. And according to multiple sources, Zach and Melissa stated that Carly had very dilated pupils. And while eating dinner, Carly was eating a salad, but she spat out her salad and claimed that the lettuce that she was eating was quote unquote devil, devil's lettuce. So Melissa told the authorities that as a mother, she naturally tried to comfort Carly. You know, she even got Carly up to her room and um, they even slept in the same room to reassure her that Carly was okay, that she was going to be okay, like everything was going to be all right, that this, um, this episode was going to pass. Again, I would like to add that I do not want to put any blame on anyone. There is no blame here. I know that when Carly's case went viral and went public for a couple of years, everybody started to blame Melissa and stated, well, why didn't Melissa call 911, etc." Well, here's the thing. Everyone reacts differently. And what she says is to be true. She felt like Carly was fine. And Melissa thought Carly was just having a bad trip. So she did take Carly upstairs and try to calm her down and try to comfort her and get her to go to bed. So she did stay in the room with Carly. Whether it's true or not, you and I, we weren't there. She does tell the authorities that Carly was not left alone. Melissa was there. But again, there are two sides to every story. And based on reports, Melissa and Zach have been cooperating with the investigators in search for Carly. Now, here is where timelines get a bit tricky.
following day in the early morning hours of October 13, 2018, there is one report that states that around 5.30 a.m., Melissa wakes up and she sees Carly still laying next to her. She, according to Melissa, Carly is awake. Then Melissa said she dozed off, like Melissa fell back asleep for a little bit, and then she woke up around 7.15 or 7.30, only to discover that Carly is nowhere to be found. Now, that is just one story that Melissa will tell not just authorities, but also Dr. Phil and even reporters. Then I discovered that there is another report where Melissa stated that Carly was last seen asleep in bed around 5.45 a.m. and that she woke up and went to open the other kids' doors. Melissa went to go to the other kids' doors to say good morning, which I find odd, but whatever, especially because it's Saturday morning. Um, Again, I don't know why she did that, but anyhow. Melissa said that she went back to bed for a bit, um, and when she got up, it was around 7.15, and Carly was nowhere to be found. So we got that. Later that morning, Carly would be reported as a missing person because uh, Melissa and Zach would go um, searching for Carly around the neighborhood, and they couldn't find her. So they would call... um, Lindsay and say hey Carly's gone and they're like holy crap Lindsay's like what the hell right you know what I mean like what do you mean she's gone so that's how everything started now based on her circumstances this is where it pisses me off based on Carly's circumstances an amber alert will not be issued this is because the police believed that there was no foul play involved and that there was no evidence that linked that there was an abduction or any kind of indication that Carly is in danger, which honestly is ridiculous in my opinion. It is also important to note that states have different criteria for their own Amber Alerts, and honestly, one should have went out when Carly was missing. Why? Because Carly is 16, she is a minor. Carly may have not been in the right state of mind, Mind you, she was tripping balls like a few hours ago. What the fuck? (laughs) You know what I mean? So yeah, she could be a danger to herself or to others. That is a fucking red flag. Sorry for being so, so forward in my language, but this... This case does fit the criteria in issuing an Amber Alert in California. She is a minor. She's 16 and she is a danger to herself because she isn't, we don't know if she is in the right state of mind. That should be a huge consideration, you know? So what the heck, California? I'm pretty pissed at you, Monon County. Now, during the investigation, the authorities discovered that Carly left behind personal belongings such as cash, ID, glasses, and a cell phone. Now, Here's where things get pretty interesting. There were three witnesses that spoke with authorities who claimed to have seen Carly walking around 7 to 7.30 in the morning. They stated that they claimed to have seen Carly walking toward Highway 6. In fact, one of the witnesses named Dutton, 
who lived down the street about seven houses away from the Gousset's home, told authorities to have seen Carly walking through the neighborhood that Saturday morning. According to him, she was holding a piece of paper. Now, the second witness named Richard Eddy, who um, reports say that he was a retired cop, who too lived down the street from the Gousset's home, offered a similar account. He told authorities that he witnessed a young girl matching Carly's description walk by his home, looking up, around at the sky and he said she too had a piece of paper in her hand he even told authorities he thought it was unusual sight to see a child out walking in the morning i say child because she's a minor and i'm gonna say this again he told the cops it was unusual unusual again why wasn't an amber alert issued you got two witnesses out there claiming to have seen this young girl walking around with a piece of paper looking up at the sky that's weird especially when you don't see kids walking alone by themselves in the morning in the neighborhood you just don't now a third witness described Someone, um, this is described as someone who was heading out to cut firewood. This person hasn't been publicly identified. And according to the sheriff's office, he claimed to have seen a girl fitting Carly's description in the vicinity of Highway 6. So she was going towards the highway. Again, why the F was an Amber Alert not issued? I'm fuming. I am upset. So remember that Dr. Phil I said a while ago? So personally, I'm not a fan of Dr. Phil. I used to when I was young and I didn't know any better. Um, But as I grew older and I did a lot of growing up, I find Dr. Phil show exploitive and it doesn't help but spread a false narrative. Yeah, so if anybody's going to come at me, go for it. Plus, a long time ago, I was once a news journalist for many years. So I know how editing works and how producers work in order to make their shows more appealing to viewers. Now, with all that said, I would suggest watching the show, especially the show that features Carly Gousset's episode, especially taking the interviews in with a grain of salt. Don't try to analyze their behaviors, their interviews, because the producers know how to edit things to fit a certain narrative. Let me just tell you that. And there were many people online that analyzed uh Melissa's, Zach's, Lindsay's behavior based on a Dr. Phil show. And it hindered a lot of things, especially with the investigation. So again, take it with a grain of salt. I want to look back at the investigation itself. So the police didn't have any updates on Carly. And many of her family believe that she may have walked towards the desert while others, such as the public, think 
she could have walked to the highway and got picked up. So this case kind of bothers me. Um, I was pretty much attracted to this case while just going through my notes and I was on Facebook and I noticed a photo and her photo caught me off guard. I felt like I I knew her, oddly, like I knew her. I didn't know her. I didn't know her story. I didn't know anything. So I started to dive into her story and review her case and everything else. And I'm like, holy cow, we were in California during that time. So um, it just blows my mind how things, you know, there's no such things as coincidences. Um, we were by, we were in the desert around that time. So I just find that odd, not odd, just wild in my opinion. But anywho, I was talking to my husband about Carly's case and um, the location where Carly was last seen. And he was somewhat familiar with the area because he's traveled that way when he was active in the Marine Corps. He told me in his own personal opinion that the area where Carly was last seen is pretty much barren. Um, she could have gone into the, into, you know, the desert and him and I, we debated and I kind of said, well, what about traffic it? Do you think she could have been traffic it? Because Bakersfield is literally three hours away. That is another hot spot for human trafficking. Since California is one of the top three for human trafficking along with Texas. So there's literally so many possibilities that could have happened to Carly. But there are little details that are available. You see, no one disappears out of thin air. Even more so, a young 16-year-old girl. As I mentioned before, California is one of the top leading states for human trafficking. So that is something that authorities should be aware of since she was not in the right state of mind when she left. Which again, I'm going to say this a million times because I'm, I'm mad. Which again blows my mind that an Amber Alert was never issued. Even more so since Highway 6 is literally right there. And there were and there were reports stating that Carly was headed that direction. Mono County, you filled your job right there. Yeah, I said it. But let's talk about the desert for a minute. Carly's dad, Zach, believes that his daughter may have walked to the desert and just got lost. Now that could be a possibility. And authorities even took that, that idea to account. According to reports, the police conducted a 10-hour search consisting of off-roading, sorry, consisting of off-road vehicles that searched a nearby desert. In fact, I would like to note that Bishop is not far from California's border with Nevada. The investigators also used cadaver dogs and helicopters, but sadly, they came up empty. There have been several online conspiracy theories on what happened or what could have happened to Carly that fateful morning that could have led to her disappearance. The public opinion of Melissa has been beyond brutal. So many online people and even Carly's mother believe she had something to do with Carly's disappearance. What's crazy to me, I have to mention this because it, it blows my mind. So Melissa has a necklace that has a key and inscribed on the key is, is it's said to be faith. And according to Melissa, when Carly went missing, her neighbor or friend gave her this key like to keep on to, with your faith. It's literally, it looks like a house key, but it's like a gold key. And Melissa wears it on her neck and you'll see it on this Dr. Phil show. And uh, everybody thinks this is a key 
that Melissa, this is like, this is the key that will lead authorities to Carly's body or to where Carly is, you know, basically where Carly's body is, which blows my mind. Crazy. But you know what? Online people, man. It's, you know, it's, it's even funny because Lindsay's, uh, Carly's mom even states in the Dr. Phil show um, that she also believes that's where the key is too. So I thought that was funny. Not funny, like ha ha, but like it's just crazy. In my professional opinion, there is not enough evidence to say who is or who is or was responsible for Carly's disappearance. What I can say is that the authorities that investigated or that had in control that had control of Carly's case did in fact fail at their job. Yeah, I said it. What's up? They failed at their job when it came to not issuing the Amber Alert. They should have done that in the first place since she did in fact fit the criteria. And I would be happy to share my thoughts with them if they ever want to contact me for my services. And you know how to find me. You can contact me through my email. But the bottom line is that a young girl is still missing. And this case has since been, has since been overlooked and goes under the radar every year, which blows my mind. But my hope is that this case stays afloat. Carly and her family deserves justice, not harassment online. They deserve answers for the mistakes that were made when authorities took this case. I often wonder if the police did a thorough investigation of Carly's home. Like, did they notice any tracks outside leading to the front of the house? Like footprints, foot tracks. Did any DNA get taken? Did she touch anything? Again, these are just my own professional, personal thoughts. So I implore you to share her case and keep praying for Carly to be found. Carly is now about 21 years old. She is five, seven foot tall, Caucasian, and weighs about 110 pounds. She has a left nostril pierced, brown hair. If you have any information concerning the disappearance of Carly Languse, you are, you are encouraged to contact the Mono County Sheriff's Office. You can email them at carlygousetips at monosheriff.org or calling them at 760 9325678. I will have all this contact information in my show notes and other information regarding this case. If you would like to have a case featured on my podcast, please, please email me over at the visitation podcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow me on my social platforms such as TikTok and Instagram, as I will be updating you on the cases that I cover on my platform. And my handle is the visitation podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in on today's episode. I always appreciate y'all's support. Again, I am your host, Crystal Coral. Stay safe, everyone, and we will talk soon.